appreciate as we get into prayer as little moving around as possible please to help me and just help me out preach this tonight i feel this is kind of an urgent message very important for the time that we're in and so i'm gonna go ahead and open with prayer tonight and then we're just going to go right into the word there's no notes but i encourage you to take notes you know to jot some things down um you'll want to look up some scriptures okay but father we thank you for tonight as we come to you in jesus name and through his blood we're asking you tonight let the heavens be really open let your glory be awesome and lord we thank you so much for being able to get into the word tonight we bless you we praise you and you alone are awesome and worthy of all praise and lord the bible says that you're careful to watch over your word to perform it and lord we thank you that your word is so powerful heaven and earth may pass away but the word of the lord stands forever and lord your word never returns void it will accomplish that which you sent it for it to do and so we love you tonight we thank you so much for giving us your word i pray that your holy spirit will move tonight upon the word of the lord and every person that's going to be listening that there would be an anointing on this and that your holy spirit would just move upon all those that are going to be listening and help every one of us by the holy spirit help us lord to get focused and locked in to be good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives that our eyes and ears our eyes and ears of the spirit we can see we can hear by the holy spirit what you're saying to us what you're revealing to us and lord i pray that this will go out as living seeds of truth that will be sown into good fertile soil watered by the holy spirit take root grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until jesus comes lord let the winds of your holy spirit carry this out among the nations through the internet etc where it needs to go and lord we agree together as we submit everything unto you as a church we agree together the birds of the air try to steal the seed but lord we take authority and we bind up anything of the enemy that would try to hinder right now any person that would that would be listening we bind up anything of the enemy that would try to hinder this word right now in the name of jesus we command to back off and lord let your angels just clear that out and that we can really get focused and receive tonight and lord let there be a washing of the water of the word and let there be a light of truth that will shine and dispel all the darkness all the lies of the enemy and bring revelation tonight the holy spirit is described as the spirit of wisdom and revelation lord help us to have wisdom and revelation from above we thank you for it now and we believe together as two agreeing on earth as touching anything that it is done and we thank you in jesus name amen all right so as i'm dealing with a series conquering the jezebel spirit i've been taking a lot of different angles and tonight i want to deal more with revelation and the reason why i'm dealing with this is because the jezebel spirit in particular tries to bring counterfeit revelation and just based on some things that god has been speaking to us from various sources i want you to be prepared for that okay when the enemy comes in that way it's very subtle you have to have discernment so we're going to talk about that but before i get into that realm of revelation i know that many of you feel the same way i do but you read the word of god and and you read like in revelation chapters two and three and you read through there and it keeps saying the lord says but to him that overcomes and i know that you probably feel the same way i do but i want to be an overcomer and i know the bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testament i understand that 
But as you read Revelation 2 and 3, which I encourage people to do, there's different challenges that people faced. And I remember reading about the story of Jacob. And when Jacob had to wrestle the angel of the Lord, you know, his name in Hebrew is Yaakov. And I'll get to that later because there is some revelation about that. But God changed his name from Yaakov, which means this like deceiver to Israel. And that implies an overcomer. In context, Jacob had wrestled and he had prevailed. And it was almost like Jacob had, had to overcome all of his past to get into his future, his destiny. He had to really wrestle through and overcome. And even in the name Israel, there, it's kind of a play on words in, in Hebrew because in English you, you might have, for example, our English word heart, but within it there's E-A-R and ear. And a lot of times people have played on that in sermons. And, but in this particular word Israel, there's S-A-R and it means like a prince. And then the last letters L means God, E-L. So it's like to, to rule and reign. And God wants us to overcome and begin to move in the place of, of ruling and reigning with Christ that he has for us. But you have to break through whatever it is that you're dealing with in life, whatever you've struggled with, you've got to break through that and overcome that. And so that's how I wanted to start this because as we go through this, you're going to see that a lot of times it's in the realm of revelation that's the key, the key place where God has to reveal to you what it is that you need to overcome and or how to overcome, but it's through revelation. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and just follow me. And Paul said this, the Corinthian church was pretty much a carnal church and a worldly church made up uh, in Corinth. It was just a wicked city. I mean, and so when people came to the Lord, they came out of a lot of sin. And these are the people that Paul's talking to. And he's telling them a rebuke here in some ways. But he says, listen, when I came to you to the city of Corinth, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming you the testimony of God for I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified you have to understand that this was a day when Greek philosophy was so you know prevalent and people were so caught up with analyzing things and being very logical and and so this Paul was saying I'm not coming to you in that way I'm coming to you with the simplicity of the gospel the power of God in verse 3 he says I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God and let me just stop in a few places and expound so I was never overly concerned about, you know, my daughter. She, she grew up around the power of God. And she saw people healed of things. And she saw people delivered from demonic spirits. She herself experienced a lot of things. A lot of, a lot of the power of God in her life. Revival. 
And God has actually healed her from some things. I mean, miraculous, supernatural healings. And so I never was overly concerned about her because look at what Paul said. He said, I came to you. My message was in the power, the demonstration, the power of the spirit so that your faith would not rest on men, the wisdom of men, but on God. And see, a lot of times you get people that go to church but they never really have an encounter with God for themselves. It never really gets in their life. And then they end up in college somewhere, and there's this professor who is just determined to do anything he can to make sure that they become a little atheist. And so he's up there belittling Christ and making fun of everything he can. And the people that have never really had an, a relationship and encounter with God fall away. But I never was overly concerned about my daughter because she had encountered the Lord. She had encountered the risen Christ for herself. And there were people down through the years that would say things to her. And she would just laugh and say, but I, have, I know him and I've experienced him. And so you have to have a relationship with the Lord. And you need an encounter with God's power. And so verse 6, and that reminds me of Paul's encounter with Christ himself. You had this really hardened individual that was very religious, but he was persecuting the Lord. He was persecuting the church. But when Jesus appeared to him, he was thrown to the ground and blinded, and he was so hit by the power of God. If you read the book of Acts, you see that Paul used every opportunity, even before kings who would have thought he was an idiot for this testimony. But he would get up there and talk about, I saw this dead man who was raised from the dead. He appeared to me. I was thrown to the ground. A bright light came. He kept sharing this testimony of this encounter with Christ over and over. Verse 6. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature. Now, here's the point I want to get to tonight. Paul is saying here that we cannot speak spiritual wisdom except among those who are mature. So let me read it, verse 6. We do not speak wisdom among those who are mature. Wisdom, however, not of this age nor the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age had understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard. You see what he's saying here? I, natural eye has not seen. Natural ears have not heard. Natural human men have not understood. And that, that which has not entered the heart of man... All that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, everybody say for to us. God revealed them through his spirit. Is it okay we get a little deep tonight? For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is, who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit combining, now listen to this, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. 
But the natural man, everybody say the natural man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual discerns all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we should instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So here's what God is saying. God is saying through this that there, is, there are natural people that are not of the Spirit of God that cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. But God has to reveal things by his spirit to us. But there are many people in the body of Christ that have never gotten to a place where they can really understand the depths of the spirit of God. And that's where I'm coming from tonight is in the realm of revelation. We know that the world is not going to understand. But sadly, many among the church also do not understand the things of the Spirit. They are still foolishness to them. In Hebrews 5.14, it says, But solid food is for the mature. And so this has to do with the meat of the Word of God. When you start getting into deeper truths and you get into revelation. That type of solid food is not for babes. That has to be people that have matured. But look at what he describes as maturity here. He said, who by practice have their senses trained to discern good from evil. So they have, through use, developed their inner man, their inner senses, their spiritual senses, to be able to discern between what is of God and what's not of God. Is this making sense? But it's by training, it's by constant use. And I love Jude 1 verse 20. But you, beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So as you pray in the Spirit, you are building up and developing your inner man. And Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man. See, you have a flesh body, a human body, but you also have a spirit. And your inner spirit man has got to be developed in Christ. There's got to be a maturity. God's got to strengthen you. So that you can begin to have some discernment that you know what's of God and what's not of God. And people can speak about deeper things and you can grasp them. There comes a place where we get past our own flesh and we begin to develop our inner man. That we can see the things that God is revealing in mysteries. We can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. We know what's of God and what's not of God. It's a discernment. And before I get deeper into this tonight, 
Jesus lived frustrated with people because of this issue right here. Now, I want everybody to really hear what I'm saying because this is important. Jesus lived frustrated with people around him because of this issue. Let me read you a few scriptures. In John chapter 3, starting with verse 4, there was a man who was a Pharisee named Nicodemus. This man was a religious leader. And he comes to Jesus at night because he's afraid of what his peers will think. And Jesus is talking to him about being born again. And Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water, which is the flesh and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The winds blow where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone that's born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him and said, aren't you a teacher in Israel? And you do not understand these things? Jesus lived frustrated that people, even religious leaders, could not understand the things of the Spirit. Jesus was speaking to people about spiritual things that they could not understand. How many times did he speak parables and they, it went totally over their head? He lived also frustrated even with his own disciples because of this issue. Mark 8, 14 says this they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them and he was giving orders to them saying jesus is now talking to them he's talking to his disciples they're on the boat and jesus is now starting to give them some teaching and he says watch out and beware of the leaven of the pharisees and the leaven of herod and they began to discuss to themselves the fact that they didn't have enough bread on the boat. We only have one loaf. And Jesus was aware of this and said to them, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you, do you have such a hardened heart, having eyes and do not see? Are you hearing his terminology here? He said, your heart is hard. You have physical eyes, but yet you don't see. You have physical ears, but you don't hear. And you do not remember listen he said when i broke the five loaves and fed the five thousand how many baskets were left over how many pieces did you pick up and they said well 12. he said when i broke the seven for the four thousand how many baskets were left over and picked up and they said well seven he said don't you understand i'm not talking about the loaf of bread in the boat i'm trying to talk to you about something spiritual and you're focused on the flesh and the carnal and it's totally going over your head i'm telling you to watch out for the teaching and the leaven of the pharisees and it just pew. and they're talking about hey man we got one loaf how's it going to feed all of us you know jesus lived frustrated because he was in the spirit he said, what I see the Father doing, I do. What I hear him speaking, I speak. But so many things Jesus talked about was not understood until much later when the Holy Spirit came 
and then those that really knew the Lord by the Holy Spirit began to understand what was taught to them they had a very difficult time understanding it before them why because it has to come by the Holy Spirit and this is what I felt the Lord speaking to me was that the Jezebel spirit in particular tries to bring like a counterfeit revelation this spirit operates in realms of false prophecy it will flatter it it brings all kinds of counterfeit like gifts that are not really of the Lord and it tries to bring that in and it can look really good and sound really good but it's not God and we've talked about this before enough that I think that you understand the Python spirit and divination all of that so I don't have to keep going back into that but we individually and collectively we've got to mature in a way that we have true discernment by the Holy Spirit and as you spend time with the Lord here's how you develop your inner man your inner man is developed more than anything that you begin to really pray in tongues you pray in the spirit and the Bible says in Jude what it say building up your most holy faith praying in the spirit there's a strengthening of the inner man that comes there's a sharpening of the discernment that comes you can also ask the Lord daily Lord give me eyes and ears of the spirit and strengthen my inner man that's a powerful prayer I encourage people to pray that every day to give that God would give us eyes and ears of the spirit and develop our inner man because we're moving into times that I believe that there's going to be a lot of deception in the world Jesus predicted that but we're going to have to develop things within see Romans 8 14 says those that are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God so let me just park there for a moment son implies maturity those that have matured into sonship have moved into a place of maturity of being led by the spirit and in the Greek it implies they're continually led by the spirit not that you were led once 20 years ago it's a lifestyle of continually being led by the Holy Spirit here's what concerns me today and I, I think that you guys know my heart about this but so many people have done the exact opposite of what you need to do God is moving powerfully in churches etc and the attitude is well you need to worry about the carnal people and the worldly people that's going to come in and you need to dumb everything down for them how many knows that's the exact you know what actually needs to happen those people need to grow up those people need to develop in their inner man instead of dumbing everything down to cater to their carnality and their worldliness and their lack of spirituality they should be required to actually grow up in Christ that the things of the Spirit of God over here no longer offends them that they understand the value of it so instead of catering to the carnal and the worldly who are pulling the church down into milk and, and baby Christianity the mature should be pulling them up into maturity in 
And here we are moving into the last days, and Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, watch out that nobody deceive you. That's the very first thing the disciples said, Jesus, tell us about the end of the age. And Jesus says, watch out that nobody deceive you. You can read scripture after scripture. I've studied end time prophecy a lot. I, I love that subject. But there's a lot of scriptures that imply deception. The Bible implies that there would even be doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. And they would be like counterfeit Christ. And they would be counterfeit teachers and things like that. A lot of deception. This is a time when we need to have sharp discernment like no other time but yet i'm seeing that in many places that is not being emphasized and people are not being developed in it and it's very concerning but i do believe that god is on the verge of sending a great revival and i believe that that's going to help in a lot of these areas but again how do we develop our inner senses pray that god strengthen us by the power of the holy spirit in our inner man Pray that God give us eyes and ears of the Spirit. That we ourselves begin to pray in tongues on a regular basis. I try to pray in tongues every day. And I'll tell you, a really good time is if you have to do any type of traveling in your car back and forth to work. It's a good time to pray in the Spirit. Also, I encourage you, you must have daily fellowship with the Lord in prayer and in His Word. Because, see, a lot of times people are only feeding their flesh and their flesh is being developed yet their inner spirit man is almost dead they spend no time with the lord they don't really spend time in his word they don't really pray, pray in the spirit and they're not developing therefore now spiritually speaking they're very dull and they're dead and they're dry and their discernment is not sharp it's dangerous and i'll tell you something sometimes people say what's the big block that's in my life to really going deeper in christ you really want to know the truth a lot of times of what it is yourself it's your own flesh that you haven't died to and you haven't crucified and got past your flesh and got in the spirit. So many people, they claim to know Christ, but they've never got past their own carnality, their own human flesh that wants to rule them. We're living in a time that, that listen, this is a real concern of mine because I'm seeing this on a, on a broad scale but Satan has made it to where just it's almost impossible, especially for the younger generation, to really be able to sit still and wait on God and pray and seek him because they're constantly, their mindset is that they constantly need to have a passive mind, always watching television, movies, playing a video game, watching something on a phone, and it's just, their mind is totally passive, and it's just being just thing after thing after thing after thing after thing and then they go to pray and they sit there and they want to seek God and it's about 30 seconds till they're bored and they're like I've got to have something it's weird man and because of that Satan has it to where they can't even receive from God anymore the previous generation understood about getting alone with God dying to their flesh and seeking him and going deep in prayer i was just talking about this to a dear friend a pastor friend of my wife and i brother hold i was saying listen i was saying you know i'm seeing that there's a generation right now and this man of god 65 he's probably been in the ministry like 40 years or something and we were talking to him and i was saying i see a generation right now that is that doesn't really know how to pray really a generation 
that has not really been in prayer and going deep in the things of God like previous generations. Because even a lot of times what is prayer is more entertainment-based it's a concert, and it's just singing and worship, and there is some prayer, but it's not really the depth of what the previous generation knew. It doesn't have the groaning and travailing of the Spirit. I'm telling you, I've been there. I know the people from the previous generation. I knew their walk with God, and I knew the depth that they had with God, the price that they prayed, they paid, rather, in prayer. They paid a price, a sacrifice of their time. They sought God in the secret place, they didn't need a lot of entertainment. They didn't need worship. They didn't need anything else. They learned how to bring their flesh under subjection and how to spend time with God and to go deep in prayer. They paid a price, and they had something with God where their prayers were powerful. I knew those people, and I'm seeing something today that's so entertainment-based. It's like a pseudo-spirituality. Listen, John Paul Jackson did a great job about talking about this, but a lot of it is soulish. It's not spirit, it's soulish. It's emotional, hype, entertainment. You're hearing me. It's in the realm of the soul, but it doesn't go deeper into the spirit. So many people now, they come in. And, and I really believe that they think that somehow Christianity is just about them and everybody should give them what they want, when they want, how they want it. That's the generation we're living in. It's about him. But what they're not learning is they're not learning sacrifice. They're not learning to pay a price for something with God. They walk in the flesh and they wonder, they're like, why is it that I feel so hindered i feel like there's a block i feel like i can't go deeper well it's probably your own flesh and your own soul area that you've never learned how to get past that's why fasting is so powerful and people will get alone with god in prayer and fasting it gets serious they'll learn how to bring their flesh under subjection in fasting it'll break the power of a lot of things But see, we're living in a time when people need to be going deeper in Christ in their own personal relationship. Did you know in the Bible, you know, you read about all these great prophets. You read about Elisha and Elijah and Samuel and etc. But did you know that you never read anything good about the sons of the prophets? Why is that? Because they never paid a price for anything. They rode their daddy's coattail. Are you hearing me? You ever wonder why you really don't read a lot about Isaac in the Bible? His, his story's short. And even, even later on, what do you read about Isaac? His eyes were dull. When it came time for something significant, he tells Esau, go make me my favorite food so I can gorge myself with food. Here he was at a time that was crucial that he was going to pass on the Abrahamic blessing, a generational, and this was significant. And given the opportunity, Isaac would have picked Esau. Why? Because he was all about gorging himself and riding his daddy's anointing. 
He should have pressed into God for himself. And he should have been a man of prayer and fasting that knew God for himself and knew that Esau was not the man. That God's hand was on Jacob. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't read about anything positive about the sons of the prophets because they never learned how to press into God for themselves. They always just had somebody else that they could just let them do it for them. They needed revelation. They would just pull on their prophetic dad's coattail and say, what's God saying? They never had to go pay the price themselves. But yet, there's hope because in the Bible, you do read about the fact that Elisha was a spiritual son to Elijah and Elisha inherited a double portion and Elisha ended up being a great man of God. But Elisha was a man of prayer and fasting and sought God for himself. He paid the price. But I'll tell you something. Elisha is a picture and type of what you can have with God if you will have spiritual mothers and fathers, but then you yourself will go after God with all your heart. Listen, Elisha ended up with such a double portion anointing that everything Elijah did, he saw double the miracles. Then he was so anointed that it soaked down into his bones that even in a tomb, somebody threw a dead guy and it bumped up against Elisha's bones. He comes back from the dead. What I'm concerned about right now is there's a, there's a generation that's coming up that's kind of entitled, but they feel that way spiritually. God doesn't owe us anything. We owe him everything. As the fact of the matter is, we should be on our way to hell. God doesn't, you know, people feel like he's just some sugar daddy in the sky that you can just ask whatever you want. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for people that will seek him in the secret place and press into him and know him for themselves. And so as you begin to press into God, as you begin to go deep in prayer, you say to yourself, thank God for an anointed church or whatever, but I cannot ride my pastor's coattail spiritually. I can't ride my mom and dad's coattail. I can't ride somebody else, some intercessor in the church's prayers. I've got to know God for myself. I've got to get desperate. I'm going to tell you something. God responds to desperation. I've got to know him. I love what, you know, Paul was an enemy of the Lord until he had that encounter with him. But then you read in Philippians that after Paul had his own encounter with Jesus, he was willing to die for the Lord. He went into very difficult situations, was willing to be persecuted, beaten, thrown into prison. And even in Philippi, the, when he was in Philippi and he wrote the book of Philippians, he was in prison and he said this, his heart cry, that I might know him. There's something where people have got to have a hunger within them for themselves. I grew up with people. I'm going to tell you, this is a, a strong warning. I grew up around Pentecost. I would say, unfortunately, the church was not a powerful church, and it was not really a praying church, which was sad. But I grew up around people that were my age. And from the time that they were born, man, when they were a baby, they were in that church, they were dedicated to God as a baby. They went through children's church. You know, they sang all the songs. They did all the, you know, the Bible story. They grew up in youth. I was with them as teenagers. And I'm telling you right now that they never knew God. And to this day as an adult, they're out of church, have nothing to do with God. That's scary. But you know what happens? People never have a relationship with God for themselves. They never press into God. See, 
God can be all around you and you never really reach out in desperation and say, God, I've got to know you for myself. All right. So what Paul was saying here in 1 Corinthians 2 with verse 10, for to us God revealed them through his spirit. Revelation. Many people, if they're not careful, they can come to church every time the church doors are open and they sit there, they're around singing, they hear things, it's around them, but they themselves never really develop anything. Once you begin to press in and you begin to really pay the price in prayer, your inner man can be developed and strengthened to where you now have eyes and ears of the Spirit. God can reveal to you things. He can show you things. He can give you dreams and visions in the night. He can speak to you by His Spirit. He can show you things out of the Word. And you know, it's like God is showing you things. God is speaking to you things. You have eyes and ears of the Spirit that you can tune in and pick up on it for yourself. But that only comes when people have paid the price to know Him for themselves and a price of prayer, the secret place. And the Bible says, the Holy Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. The greatest gift, apart from salvation, obviously, the greatest gift that God has ever given the world is, is first his son and his word, I understand that, but is his spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. He lives in us. He's with us. And we've got to develop the relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is where some of the body of Christ completely misses it because they're so focused on the word, which the word is extremely important. I study the word regularly, we preach the word, we love the word, but they never ever really help people understand the Holy Spirit, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, operating in the gifts, pressing deep into the Spirit of God, getting revelation, they don't believe in any of that. And so people have never really developed their inner man, they don't have true discernment because true discernment only comes by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to reveal to you. And let me give you an example in the Word of God to show that. I've given you guys this example before. But people that only know the Word. So the Apostle Paul, I believe in this story, he was with Barnabas, but he might have been with Silas. But he was walking in this city. And this woman, who was a fortune teller, was following them around. And the Bible said that she had a spirit of python or a spirit of divination. And she's following Paul, and she's shouting out loud for everybody to hear, these men are servants of the Most High God who are teaching you the way to be saved. Can anybody argue with what she's saying? She's saying the truth, but she's saying it through a familiar spirit. It's a demonic thing. See how subtle and deceptive this is? In my opinion, what Satan was trying to do was to get Paul to think that this woman must be a prophet of God and that she could come begin to join their ministry, come into their meetings and begin to prophesy. But the apostle Paul, after a few days of this going on, 
it says that he was irritated in his spirit he was agitated you see if you're only going to go by the word what a lot of these people that are just word people that don't like the things of the spirit they'll say well if you just know the word okay she was saying the truth if you just know how to quote scriptures how would you know if that's god or if that's a demon are you following me what scripture exactly are you going to use in that situation the only scripture that comes to mind is test the spirits but that's by the holy spirit paul never sat down with with barnabas or silas whoever and said let's study this out you know let's paul knew by the holy spirit in him this is not god he was agitated and he turns and says in the name of jesus out and that woman manifested hit the ground a demon left her and it started a riot <laughs> one preacher said we're either gonna have revival or a riot but something's gonna happen and uh, listen man that he started a riot because it ticked off the people are making money off her as a fortune teller but the point of the matter is she had or paul had to have discernment or he would have never known what i'm trying to get to you and i'm hoping that i'm making this clear tonight is i feel the holy spirit is warning all of us in these last days we're pressing into god for revival god's going to pour out his spirit and things are going to look a lot different than they look now and when the holy spirit intensifies his glory intensifies there's going to be even more spiritual activity by the holy spirit than we've seen but satan always always wants to try to slip in counterfeit things in the mix and just knowing the word by itself is not going to make you be able to discern if it's of god or not every time sometimes it will but sometimes like the apostle paul with that woman these people may have accurate information but you're going to have to discern it by the holy spirit and you know who the people of discernment are those that's paid a price in prayer themselves they're not riding somebody else's prayer life they've paid the price that they're desperate for god they got alone with the lord and they developed god the holy spirit within them develop their inner man and they have spiritual eyes to see spiritual ears to hear they know by constant use by training they know what's of god and what's not of god and when they get around things that are not of god they're agitated and uncomfortable like paul was and they know it's not that's not god it may look good and it may sound right it may even be correct information and even the person looks like a good person but i'm telling you by the holy ghost that is not god now i remember i tell this story a lot it's actually we wrote it in our book there's a story where dr cho there was a woman he has a really large church in korea but this woman was prophesying and people were lined up and he just had an uncomfortable feeling but she was giving accurate information and the people in the church were lining up to this woman you understand everybody think about this story for a moment she's given accurate information and church people think that it's god and are lining up to get this from her but dr cho being the pastor saw this and he he felt something wasn't right so he goes home and he asks the lord what's going on in the holy spirit everybody say the holy spirit told him said it's not me it's a familiar spirit 
So he goes and tells her to quit prophesying in the church. It's not God. But he was trying to help her, but she didn't want to hear it. You would think that if somebody like Dr. Cho came to her and said that, she'd be like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I was off. Forgive me. Help me to get beyond this. I don't want this in my life. You would think that they'd be humble. But instead of humbling themselves, she got offended and angry. She felt like, no, I'm of God. You're not. You know how it is. And she left offended and probably went somewhere else and started the same garbage until they kicked her out. That is a Jezebel spirit. You understand? That is a Python Jezebelish thing that wants to come in and slip in among us. It's very subtle. And if people are not walking with the Lord closely, they can get sucked right into it. You know, the Bible talks about seducing spirits. These are things that it's not just sexual. So get that, just kind of erase some of it. Some of it is being seduced into like a, a counterfeit spirit or being seduced into some kind of a cult or being seduced into some weird teaching. It's something that tries to pull people in and it has a supernatural power about it to be alluring and attractive and seductive to kind of pull them in and once they get in it's like their mind is under some kind of a veil of deception here's some problems though when when people have a lack of discernment in their own personal lives a lot of times satanic attack is not seen That's frustrating whenever you're trying to talk to people. See, Jesus, remember, Jesus was frustrated because he was trying to communicate spiritual truths to people who did not understand them. And many of you can relate to this. And we say this with great humility, but you know that there's people that you cannot talk to about legitimate spiritual things because they will not understand it. And not only that, you're casting your pearls before the swine who will begin to attack you about it. But these people that don't have discernment, they don't even know when they're under an attack. They don't even realize. I have been shocked at the people down through the years. My wife will tell you and confirm this. I have been shocked at the people. I would have never thought in a million years. I thought that they had a stronger walk with God. I would have never thought it. But it didn't take hardly anything for the devil to probably send some little bitty imp demon, that two foot tall little wimp, to go by and just drop a little thought in their mind. That's it. That's all it took right there. And they, that thought came into their mind, and they just went with that thought. They never checked it. They never discerned it. They never thought, is this line of thinking of God? They never really discerned anything. They just ran with it. Next thing you know, they're having a personality change. They're getting more and more weird. They're getting more and more arrogant. They're getting more and more rebellious. They're getting more and more defiant. Pretty soon, they're clashing with spiritual authority over them. Next news you know, they're gone. Where is the discernment in the body of Christ to test the spirits? Not every thought that enters your mind is from God. Not every emotion that's impressed upon you is the Lord. You've got to understand, the enemy sometimes can try to get you agitated. Can try to get you angry with people 
can try to get you offended. I believe there is a spirit of offense, by the way. We'll try to get you offended about things. To try to get you rebellious. But to put negative thoughts in your mind toward people you need in your life. Authority figures that the devil knows you need them over you. The devil knows you need this church in your life. So what's he doing? He's sending his spirits like a crowbar to try to pry you out. The more important relationships are in your life, the more the enemy would love to try to pry you out of that relationship. So the number one problem with people that lack discernment is they don't understand spiritual warfare. They don't understand when they're being attacked. They don't even know that it is an attack. They don't discern it. The second problem with the lack of discernment in people, this is why many times they are not really getting a breakthrough in their life about deliverance or healing or some kind of other answer prayer that they really need answered is because they are not discerning by the Holy Spirit what the problem really is. Get alone with God and say, Lord, where is the problem? Where is this being locked up? And spend time with him and he can reveal things to you. But it may come in layers and it may come over time, but God will show you the blockages. But that's many times why people things seem to elude them and also why they get offended with God because they get so frustrated with the Lord and they're blaming him when the matter of fact is that they themselves have not really discerned what's going on does that make sense because the Bible says the devil's come to steal kill and destroy it's Christ has come to give abundant life but many times people don't have the discernment to be able to get what they need And number three, one of the problems is that some people live on milk the rest of their lives and never really grow up in Christ. They live on milk and they never get beyond the milk and get into the meat of God's word. They can't handle meat. They can't handle divine revelation. They can't handle the mysteries of Christ. And this is what I felt. I'm not going to share what I shared earlier because I wanted to make sure that was just for you guys for River of Life. It's not going to be in the sermon. But what we talked about earlier about casualties. Many times people, if they're not careful, can become casualties of war. And I'm going to give you just quickly a couple areas to really pray about in the days to come because I don't want you to be a casualty in this coming war. But here's some areas that many times are overlooked. Number one is truly forgiving everyone from your heart. Truly forgiving everyone from your heart. And that means the Holy Spirit says you've forgiven them from your heart. See, you have to understand something to what I mentioned earlier about Jacob's name, Yaakov. In Hebrew, the Akov. So there's this scripture in Jeremiah I believe where it says the heart is deceitful and wicked who can know it well the word there for deceitful is akov it's the same word that's used in Jacob's name as a deceiver but in that scripture 
please hear this because this is really a life-changing revelation. In that scripture where it says the heart is deceitful, it's not saying that the heart has been in the past deceitful. It's saying that your heart, your human heart, will continually deceive you. Or did you catch that? Your human heart in a fallen condition. See, the world says, follow your heart. <laughs> the Bible says your heart will deceive you and lead you astray. That's a lot of the problems with people. They're up and down spiritually because they're still in the realm of their own human emotions and their own human heart and being led by their heart, being led by their feelings. But the human heart is deceitful. And in the Hebrew, remember this, it means in that scripture, it will continually deceive you the rest of your life. So the Bible doesn't say, be led, those that are sons of God are led by your heart. <laughs> the Bible says those that are sons of God have learned how to be led by the Spirit. Your human heart will say one thing, but when you start asking the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will say, no, that's totally wrong. This is actually the way that it really is. So we don't need to be consulting in a fallen condition our own human heart to make decisions. We need to be consulting the Holy Spirit. So does the Holy Spirit say that we have truly forgiven everybody from our hearts? Because your human heart will say you have when you haven't. Another common area, this is number two, is subtle pride and rebellion issues it's very subtle pride is a sin that's almost impossible to discern the holy spirit has to help you see it and pride leads to rebellion within people when they're prideful they think to themselves who is this person to tell me what to do so pride and rebellion go together, but it's very subtle. The third thing that's very subtle also is, is your home really truly in order? Does God say it is? Let, let's go back. Does the Holy Spirit say it is? Because there's a lot of times that people in the body of Christ nowadays go, oh yeah, my home's in order and, and this, that, and the other. But the truth of the matter is, it's not. The culture we live in in America, you're going to really have to go against the grain to have a home in order nowadays. And that means the husband's riding, rising up and leading his family and making the decisions. And the wife is submissive in everything as unto the Lord. Did everybody hear that? As unto the Lord. Submitted in everything. And children are obeying their parents. And the Greek word there when you're talking about obedience implies that they're, it's forced. So how many knows we need to be raising our kids, not being their little friend? Amen? Having a home in order. The next one is, are there areas of idols in our hearts? These can be very subtle. They can be the the worship of whatever it is making money the question is what is it that that is really more important to you than spending time with the lord 
Television can be an idol. Relationships can be idols. Work can be an idol. Whatever it is. Anything that's going to eclipse or hinder your relationship with the Lord. Anything. I mean, it can be stupid things. There's some people that their, their car is their idol. There's some people that other things, hobbies, are an idol. Now, here's the last three, and these are very subtle, and a lot of people don't think about these. But the, the one I want to give you now is grumbling. This is dangerous. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it warned about this, and I've been really thinking about this the last couple of days after I talked to the individual that I spent some time with, and he prayed with me. Some things began to come to me, and one of them was this issue about grumbling. The Bible says the children of Israel were slaves all those years. They were oppressed. And now they're being led out of slavery, but they're going into a desert. How many of you guys have ever been in a desert at all? It's not fun. It's not a comfortable place. And so, but in that situation, they're frustrated, but what happens? They begin to grumble. And 1 Corinthians 10 said these things are written as an example so that we don't do what they did. And it says that they grumbled and then the destroyer came and destroyed them there's an individual i really love and respect his ministry man he's a, he is a powerful man of god but he got attacked physically in his body very bad it disfigured him and he was asking the lord why did it happen what happened what was the door here and the lord told him it's because he had been grumbling and it opened the door for the destroyer to come. Are you hearing me? Be careful to not grumble and complain against the Lord. And to be one of those people that grumble and complain in life. We need to be thankful for the home we have. We need to be thankful for the car we drive. We need to be thankful for the food that we have to eat. Amen? You hearing me? Be thankful in all things. Don't be discontent. Don't be grumbling. Because that grumbling thing can really open the door for the destroyer. And if some say, well, I've got that under control now, just keep in mind that time does not wash away sin. The blood of Jesus washes away sin. There could be things that you did 20 years ago. You need to make sure that you've confessed it. This is important. Just because time has passed doesn't mean it's, it's forgiven. Let me say that again. Time does not forgive sin. The blood of Jesus washes it away. You must confess it. It could be 20, 30, 40 years ago. But have you said, Lord, forgive me for that. I repent. Wash me in your blood. I truly turn from it. Forgive me. Once you do that, it's going to be washed away. But if you've forgotten about it, you've never confessed it, you've never dealt with it, it it's not gone. It's still there. So be careful about grumbling and complaining. The next one is rash vows. Ecclesiastes says, to not, it says God takes no delight in fools to make sure and fulfill your vow. Jesus said it's better to not make vows just that your yes be yes and your no, no. But if you make a promise to God, you better fulfill it. Has there been things in your past that you said, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. God came through. But you never did your part. 
Have you ever made vows to God that you didn't fulfill? Have you made vows to people? You, made, you gave your word, you made a solemn promise, and then you broke that. That's not right. You need to ask God to forgive you for any rash vows that you've made before him or with people. And I'll say this too, be careful because in the culture that we live in America, how many knows that marriage is really downplayed now? Well, people don't understand this, apparently. But when you stand before God and you take a vow, God holds you to that to the rest of your life. And if you break that vow, you're accountable. And so you better say, Lord, man, forgive me if I've broken any vows I've made before you or with people. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me. I repent. And I'll tell you something else. I, it really concerns me. There's a movement out there, and I'm very thankful to hear some Christian leaders taking a stand against it. You know, the Arnots and the Toronto Revival, I've heard them really speak out. People at like Mario Marulo and others, but I am very concerned. There's a group out there that's teaching people you don't have to repent of your sins. Listen to me, I, there's not a whole lot that scares me anymore. I mean, those the older you get, the less scared you get in life, right? It's not a whole lot that scares me anymore. But I, I would be scared, and I mean this, to get up and ever tell people that you can live in sin and not repent and be okay. That would scare me to death because I don't think that I would cross eternity and make heaven myself if I told you that. All right, and the last thing is honoring your parents and how do you treat people? You know, somebody asked Kenneth Hagin one time, and he was a great, great man of faith and healing, great healing ministry, great wisdom in that area. Somebody asked him, Brother Hagin, what is, you know, when somebody's not getting a breakthrough in prayer, what is it that may be hindering? And he said, check your love walk. How do you treat people? He said, that could be, not that it is, but that could be a block. So in the day that we're living, you need to make, make sure that you're really honoring your parents because we're living in a culture that doesn't honor parents anymore and make sure that you treat people with love and respect all right so as we close this out hopefully this stirred you guys but i want to go deeper in christ for myself you know i had the opportunity I'm just going to tell you this as I close this out and just leave the recordings on for a second. There was a time, and that's really the birth of this church, and I know you guys know this. A lot of people don't know this that, that might be hearing this. There was a time in 2003, 4, 5 that I was able to spend some time with Steve Hill and be under his authority and his, under his leadership. And I was able to spend some time with him he prayed over me and, and spoke a blessing and he, he released me out and, and he was my covering and he really blessed me and what I was doing and it was like the ministry was an extension of him out here in the east part of the Metroplex and it was awesome. It was an awesome time. I love Brother Steve so much. But there came a point in time that I saw this with other people. I saw other people that just wanted to latch hold of him like, like a leech. And they just wanted to ride his reputation. Are y'all hearing me? They wanted to kind of ride his walk with God and his anointing. 
And I don't know just the, the incredible grace and mercy of God, maybe the prayers of my parents or whatever. I don't know. But I, I couldn't stand that. I hated seeing that. And I remember thinking to myself this. I thought to myself, if God isn't going to raise me up myself and use me, I'm not going to ride somebody else's anointing. I'm not doing it. I want to have something with God for myself. And I started just keeping it kind of quiet back then. I didn't say a lot about things. I wasn't trying to use his name, even though I could have. He gave me permission to use whatever. I, I didn't use his name a lot. I didn't want to be like, oh, you know, I'm with so-and-so. I tried not to do that. I wanted something with God for myself. And I began to really seek the Lord for myself. And I remember later on, many years later, as I spent time in 2000, this would have been 2019, okay? I spent time with uh, John Davis, who's the ambassador of the revival. And he was telling me this. He said that, that back years ago during Brownsville, he said he saw this. He saw all these people were just kind of like trying to leech on to Brother Steve. And I knew what he was talking about because I saw it myself. And he said back in the 90s, people were just trying to leech onto him and follow him around. And finally, Brother Steve kind of got tired of it and, and set him down and said, look, you're going to have to have your own walk with God or you're going to have to pray down your own revival. Did you hear what I said? You're going to have to have your own walk with God. You're going to have to pray down your own revival. You're going to have to pay the price with God for something for you to have with him. And he was nice about it, but he was like, you, you know, he was trying to help them understand you can't, somebody else can't have a walk with God for you. And that's what people do. You remember James Maloney's vision about the tabernacle? I've shared this a couple times. Remember how he saw those angels come up in that vision? They parted the, the veil and some people went in. But all these people were invited to go deeper in God and they just sat there. And the, the couple that went in came out and it's like they just wanted them to tell them about their experience. They wanted a, a vicarious, you know, some kind of a vicarious experience. They want, we want to hear from you what God did. They didn't want to press in for themselves. And that's also why many times you see that there's great men and women of God out there through history that have really done great exploits, but you see the people that come after them, whether it be biological or spiritual, they never seem to carry, really carry that. Why? Because they just rode somebody else's anointing. They never paid the price. But you can be like Elisha, and you can go deeper if you want. And I remember hearing Randy Feltshaw say this, man, it stuck with me. It was in 2005. He said, I want such an anointing that it's like a bone-soaking anointing. And he was talking about Elisha where the man, the dead man just bumped up against his bones and came back to life. And see, he was saying, I want such an anointing in my life for myself. I want to pay the price for that myself. All right, so Lord, we thank you for this time. I just pray this will stir people. But Lord, I pray help us to have discernment because there's not everybody that comes into a church is of God. And not every time somebody's given accurate information is it the Holy Spirit. We need to have discernment and we need to test the spirits and know what's of God and what's not. And Lord, I just pray as we close this out tonight that you would seal this word. Lord, I ask you to bless this time. And Lord, I pray this will really get in people's lives and stir them up to pay a price to know the Lord and have an encounter with God for themselves. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and shut down recordings.